the glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory's lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, the gory days, the gory days. Welcome to the gory days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies. American Horror Story 1984 episode two just finished airing uh, for this week, and I'm here with my thoughts once again. Your host Kyle Leone for another week of the gory days, where. Well, excuse me, every other week we talk about a movie from the uh, 80s and beyond, typically in the horror genre, and every week, uh, starting last week, we do American Horror Story Season 9, a.k.a. 1984, uh, every day as it comes out the day after. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh, my first segment, as always, as I've done ever since Episode 1, is and shall always be, What the Hell Just Happened? I'm going to go through really quick and just give what uh, the main big story beats that stood out to me. Uh, essentially, the, the the big things that we learn this episode is the doctor from last episode in season uh, in episode one. There was a scene where we saw the insane asylum, I'm going to call it, had a major breakout uh, due to Mr. Jingles, a.k.a. Benjamin Richter, breaking out. And the way that that scene set itself up, the detective, so I thought she was a detective when she arrived on the scene and was asking like, okay, what happened? But uh, it turns out that she's the chief of medicine for that uh, asylum that I didn't bother to go back and look up the name of. Uh, And her name is Dr. Hopple. She has a first name. I think it's like Rebecca or Rowena or Renona. I'm not sure. Uh, (laughs) Man, I even watched it twice, but uh, I can't remember her name. So we learn it doesn't matter because uh, she dies. We we learn that she's the chief of medicine and she's very concerned about making sure that uh, you know her patient gets back. And uh, before she can do anything about it, she gets killed by none other than Mister Jingles. Uh, and we see that it's Mister Jingles for sure. Like it's his face, and he leans down, and it's pretty personal. Uh, and he kills her. Uh, but anyway, uh, I feel like I just want to skip to this main deal, which is Brooke and Madison, or Montana. Man, I keep calling her Madison. I don't know why I want to keep calling her Madison. Brooke and Montana kind of confide in each other. There's this moment where Brooke and Montana are sitting in their room while the rest of the uh, gang is uh, having their beers. I was going to say the rest of the guys, but I I think that'd still be accurate. I think it's just they're the only two females uh, in the group, and then the other three are dudes, including Trevor, the other four. Um, So, yeah, while they're joking around at uh, Where's the Beef, they're watching the Where's the Beef commercial, uh, which I've never seen, but I've heard it referenced enough times. Montana Mont- Montana tells Brooke that she understands she's still kind of shaken up about the guy breaking into her apartment and freaking her out. And she says something like, uh, a stranger once grabbed my boob outside of Sam Goody, so I know what it's like. And I, I can understand where she's coming from. She's trying to be empathic, but it just goes off as glib like yeah you were groped and that's real and that's a really horrible thing that happened to you and i thought i was gonna die you broke into my home and harassed me in the middle of the night referring of course to the events of the first episode where the night stalker real world la uh horrible person 
murderer, serial killer. I can't think of yeah. Uh, Richard Ramirez uh, when he broke into Brooks' room. I guess. Gosh, that was like last night. Um, the time of this uh, show is uh, anyway. Then Brooke gets her moment to confide in Montana back, not just about the Night Stalker, but apparently this event that happened last summer. Oh, man. Brooke was engaged to be married to this guy, Joey, who was like the first guy she ever kissed, her first sweetheart, and he was uh, jealous, but she thought that meant she loved him. And uh, long story short, he thought she was cheating on him with his brother so he kills his brother right there at the altar and then kills her dad kills brooke's dad before finally killing himself and brooke was there and she kind of like sums it all up and like admitting that no she never cheated on him she never had any intention to but he didn't believe her and no one ever believes me is what she says about that and Montana says, I believe you. And then goes in for a kiss, which is t- so inappropriate. If, if, if you are uh, a good friend out there listening to another person confide in you a horrible, traumatic experience, like literal mental scarring, long-term uh, talk therapy kind of trauma they're telling you about... Do not mistake it. I I guarantee you it is like 99% not ever a hint for you to lean in for a kiss or to take this relationship to the next level. Especially if all you say is like, oh, well, I believe you. (laughs) And then maybe if they move in for the kiss. And even then you should be like, I I don't know, you're you're emotionally volatile. (laughs) Uh, It's just, it's very, uh, uh, I guess it's very 80s. So that's the first big, uh, big, big piece of information about these characters that we get. The development of Brooke and her past, uh, specific, specifically with this guy, Joey. Uh, and then we get the boys' night shower scene. And I know I know, the show is created by um, uh, Ryan Murphy and somebody else. But uh, Ryan Murphy, who uh, I don't know if famously so, but is homosexual. And so I love to see the fruits of that uh, manifest itself in night shower scenes with all these guys um but it's during this little sequence that someone shuts down the generators there's so many things that happen in this episode that they want me to believe it's someone doing this but unless they show me their face i never believe anything that's happening is exactly what they want me to believe uh so someone shuts off the generators and that's when xavier last episode xavier got a phone call at the gas station that was mysterious and weirdly threatening in a sexual violent way and i thought that was going to be like stretched out a little bit longer i expected uh xavier's look to trevor and that uh to expand but no it's wrapped up (laughs) second episode when we meet the uh like skeevy producer blake who has been following Xavier. It sounds like uh, he was trying to get some, you know, money and more business out of him. He loves. It seems like he, you know, it, it, it's not a good situation. Uh, but we learn that Xavier, at least he says, "I'm not gay," 
And uh, I don't know. That was frankly disappointing to me. It would have been nice to have one character, but maybe he just doesn't know, or maybe he isn't uh, willing to tell this horrible, skeevy producer guy how he truly identifies, especially at a time like, uh, anyway. So the next big beat is Brooke, for some reason, goes out to the dock just to, like, <laughs> brood. And the Night Stalker finds him, uh, her, just uh, walks up to her and tries to kill her. And for whatever reason, like, misses a couple of times, she starts running off into the night and the Night Stalker uh, is in pursuit. But he gets, like, intercepted by the hitchhiker or that's what i've been calling him but it it, it looks like they they gave him a different title in uh the credits of last week's episode but i'm calling him the hitchhiker i called him that last episode so i'll be consistent he runs into richard ramirez the night stalker and says he says you're not supposed to be here and then the night stalker takes out his knife and he and the hitchhiker says wait i don't die here and gets killed gets disemboweled and one of the like it's supposed to be visually like gross, but it's like dark, and the entrails that come out of the hitchhiker's gut are weirdly shiny. Um, but I, I get what they were going for, and it's gross and and it's sad. Uh, and then he slits his throat. But then, like ten minutes later, he finds the hitchhiker again, and he's like, "You're not supposed to be here." And Richard Ramirez, Night Stalker, says. <laughs> how are you still alive and it's so weird and trippy and that's that's the 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 second weird thing second or third uh but the next one the night stalker meets Mar- uh margaret booth and it's such a weird scene like margaret's tried to hit on him at first like she doesn't know who he is she puts on some music and gives him like some tea that he thinks uh tastes gross and uh he came to her because he recognizes that she's in the biggest house, so she must know something that's going on, if not be in charge. And he's right. It's not It's not a bad idea. And so he's the one that asks her, who is this uh, guy that I killed twice? I've killed a lot of people, but this is the only time I've had to do it twice. And Margaret Booth insists that, no, this guy's been dead for 14 years. But then she asks him to confide in uh her kind of like matt montana and brooke did with each other earlier but here we get a weird like why why do we need to humanize the night stalker like first of all we're calling him by his name over and over again and then we get this extended flashback sequence of the night stalker narrating his own past and how he's a product of a couple of seizures and a really mean uncle that or cousin that shot his own wife in front of uh the night stalker when he was a kid and it's just bizarre that uh it's it all culminates in margaret booth essentially asking this question to to say it's like whatever whatever you said whatever the answer is to what's the worst thing that ever happened in your life her response is going to be all those things happened so that you could be the man that you are today and could be brought to me. Like, <laughs> her point is that he has been sent by, you know, whatever fate has destined these two to meet so that she can basically explain her hidden agenda here. It's something that she talked to Dr. Hopple about uh, in the beginning of this episode and uh, kind of lightly discussed in the first episode that. Uh, she just lays it out here that the way to freedom, the way to get the kind of freedom where you can do whatever you want, 
is God and trauma. And as long as you can uh, cite your actions to a higher power, whether you're doing uh, the whether you're doing God's will or Satan's will in the Night Stalker's case, then you are you have free reign to do whatever you want. You're you're just doing the Lord's work, which is just another descent. Like every step we take into Margaret Booth's religious uh, development just seems to be another nail in the coffin. I, I look forward to seeing how um, the religious community kind of reacts to this. If I mean, it's not for them, obviously. I don't know. It's for everybody. I don't know. Uh, yada, yada, yada. The kids find the dead, uh, or, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's something that happened. The, uh, producer died. He gets his head, he's peeking in at the night shower. I mean, who can blame him? But he gets his head stabbed in. Uh, he's peeking just like in Porky's when they ca- carve, like, the hole into the side of the shower and look in at the girls' locker room showers. But in this case, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, a, s- inverted and in that it's, a. An older gentleman looking through a fence to see some younger men uh, shower off, particularly Trevor and his his hog. <laughs> um, he's uh, apparently very impressed, uh, but he gets stabbed through the head by who knows. It's it's implied once again that because his ear is missing that the uh, Mr. Jingles killed him. But I don't know. I don't know. I really feel like they're they're playing fast and loose. There's a shot right before he gets stabbed through the head where we see, you know, stalker POV. And uh, there's, you know, a reciprocal shot where it's a bright blue eye. And I don't remember who in the cast has bright blue eyes. Uh but um, I don't think it's Mr. Jingles. Anyway, a little bit later, Margaret Booth goes out to, I guess, look for uh, the hitchhiker that, uh, or we've learned that it's a counselor now, a counselor that was at the camp back in 1970. uh, (laughs) Margaret Booth recognizes him from uh, the... Not just recognizes him, but knows that he's dead. I saw his dead body 14 years ago, something like that. And yet she goes out to look for him and quickly finds him. Uh, and she identifies him as Jonas. So we'll be calling him Jonas going forward. But um, he, he uh, accepts that he's a ghost kind of quickly. Uh, and she gets a couple of funny jokes in. And she says, like, what am I, Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, sure. He goes, am I a ghost? Yeah. Um, and... She says, there's ghosts in the Bible, and you're here, so yeah, ghosts must be real. <laughs> and that's when we get Jonas's point of view of the 1970s event, uh, the 1970 camp killing event. He, from what those, his little flashback shows us, he saw a young Margaret, Margaret Booth, covered in blood, standing unharmed, it seemed, in the middle of the room. That all of the campers, including from what uh, she said before, including Margaret Booth herself, and yet this flashback uh, contradicts that, so I don't know what's true. And not only that, he ran away back in 1970 and was also hit by a truck in the same way that he was in episode one by our gang. And then... Once again, we don't see his face, but we do hear the jingles. He comes uh, out of the truck, and it's Mr. Jingles came out of the truck. So there's some long-reaching implication here that 
Margaret Booth killed the cabin back in the 70s and and uh Mr. Jingles had nothing to do with it he he only killed the uh the, now what we're calling Jonas I don't know about that but but that's certainly the the info we get and then I guess she just leaves him there because we see uh it's the gang having van problems they they all meet up together at the dead body at the dead producer's body and decide they need to get out of here so they get into a van and they drive away uh for a little bit but then rita's there because rita got snuck behind it up in (laughs) she got snuck up on in the infirmary by once again we can assume it was mr jingles no 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 that one that one definitely was mr jingles because we did see the like top of his head his uh balding head and his long wispy hair on the side so that was definitely him but uh still there's there's lots of moments and uh the, the van breaks so the gang splits into two groups we've got group one who's going to the cabins to get a uh, key to Trevor's Ninja, which is a badass motorcycle. I assume he can take one person on that. Uh, But that group is Xavier, Montana, and Trevor, who are all going to the cabin to get a motorcycle key for to, to get out of here the second group is going to the infirmary to get rita's car which is just a rabbit uh which i don't know is a type of car or just an expression for a small car but either way it's a small car she says it's not going to fit everybody uh so that gang going to the infirmary to get the car keys is brooke ray chet and rita and so the episode ends with our two character, with our two groups split like across the camp. It's it's hard to tell how far away the things are in this camp, but uh, anyway, the two groups are split up, and both of their doors are being banged on. And I'm pretty sure Mr. Jingles is the one banging on the cabin door with Xavier, Trevor, and Montana, while uh, banging on the infirmary door is the Night Stalker because of the way they they shot some things. But once again, I I don't trust anything I see, and it's starting to get exhausting to doubt everything that they uh, show me. But that's where the episode ends. Um... I, I jumped around, I skipped a couple of things, but uh, for the sake of anyone who uh, watched the episode or still plans on it, I, I left some things out. So let's move on to uh, our second segment. Well, I guess hidden within that last segment of what the hell just happened was end status. Um, of uh, We've got Xavier, Trevor, Montana in the cabin, and at the time... Xavier is freaking out because he thinks he's like he's finally having a panic attack or whatever you want to call it, uh, thinking that this is my fault. I dragged everybody here, but it's also my fault. I brought the producer here uh, and now he's dead. And yeah, yeah, I guess that is kind of your fault. (laughs) The producer like there's a line that the producer says, if you're planning on running away, don't have your paychecks forwarded to the aerobic studio that you work at. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah. And then he says, uh, you're, you're as pretty as you are stupid <laughs> and you're very, very pretty. <laughs> so moving on to our next segment, which I'm going to affectionately call theory canal, where I talk about some of the theories that got resolved from last episode and some of my new theories that have become developed uh, as a result of this episode. So starting with last episode, I theorized that Trevor and Xavier had a past simply because of one like 
shot of him looking away. I don't remember, but uh, it had me convinced that, that it was worth writing down. And it looks like maybe that's not the case. Unless they're playing fast and loose. With, uh, I mean, unless they're, they're trying to trick me. Uh, it's an emotional roller coaster. But uh, as far as right now, I'm going to say that's, that's done. I don't think Trevor and Xavier are going to have a thing. I don't, uh, Trevor seems pretty, uh, he seems pretty into the ladies. The other theory from last week I had involved having the hitchhiker actually be alive since he disappeared from the back of the door that Brooke uh, saw him hanging on. Um, I, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, <laughs> let's see, what are the Mythbusters one? There's a confirmed, plausible, and busted. So I'm going to go with confirmed on this one. Well, no, I guess plausible because he's not really alive. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's not alive at all. He's a ghost. So, so never mind, busted on that one. But those are the only two theories from last week. The theory that I've developed this week is, uh, I think I've already hit on it a few times, but it's that someone is killing, pretending to be Mr. Jingles. Now, it's already been established that uh, Mar- Margaret Booth's keys are enough to trick some of the campers into thinking that it's Mr. Jingles walking around, but then it turns out that it's just her taking her keys out to open the door to her cabin. So uh, there's something there that makes me think maybe Margaret Booth is, God, maybe they're doing one of those uh, uh, hide-and-seek. If you haven't seen hide-and-seek, I'm about to spoil hide-and-seek for you. Hide-and-seek was, I think, a 2005 uh, horror movie with Dakota Fanning and uh, Robert De Niro, and uh, the whole movie, Robert De Niro is trying to just care for his daughter Dakota Fanning and she's having these uh, nightmares about her imaginary friend and then things are happening that like oh is the imaginary friend imaginary or is it real and here's the big twist Robert De Niro is Dakota Fanning's imaginary friend and he is like causing these uh, nightmarish things and uh, ruining regular Robert De Niro's life not not the actor but the character within the movie uh <laughs> You can make an argument that he what he did because that movie did not do very well. <laughs> but um, the reason I bring that up is maybe they're playing something like that where Margaret Booth doesn't know that she's uh, Mr. Jingles or or at least like a, a part of Mr. Jingles. I don't know, but uh, or maybe she's just also doing it. Maybe she's trying. I mean, the thing that she says about freedom equals God and trauma. Uh, that that experiencing trauma and then accepting God gives you freedom to do whatever you want, I feel like is a big gimme uh, as far as thinking Margaret is the killer or at least one of the killers. But God, we already have two killers running around. There's a lot of killers. Which brings me to my next segment, Kills, Kills, Kills. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to keep these names, but they make me laugh and maybe that's all that matters. <laughs> Um, so in this episode, it is, we, we can establish that people that die, uh, I guess at Camp Redwood, Jonas comes back. So who's to say that the people that die on Camp Redwood that from last episode and this episode won't come back. Who's to say that, uh, let's see. Well, yeah, the, the hitchhiker was the only, or Jonas was the only character from last episode, but who's to say that all of the cabin kids and counselors from that uh, night won't come back in some way. Or even Dr. Hopple, who dies in this. Uh, Or the gay producer, Blake. Or uh, the hitchhiker for a third or fourth time. How many times is he going to come back? And why doesn't he remember each time? 
Uh, and will that come into play? Will we get a whole uh, episode devoted to his perspective? Um, who knows? And then finally, my last segment uh, that I have here is one that I call Mystery LLC, where I have a lot of questions that got dredged up at the end of this episode that still aren't answered from last week's and uh, were uh, raised this episode that aren't answered. And so I'll just go one by one. Whose body is that that floated by Brooke when the Night Stalker surprises her at the dock? I can't. So the only people that have died at that point are the mechanic, but we saw that being covered on the news. So unless there was a throwaway line about the body not being found, I'm not sure about that. Uh, the hitchhiker Jonas, who obviously comes back, and the orderly um, from the hospital. So none of those really tie to Richard Ramirez or where or the Night Stalker or where he was. So I have no idea who floated by Brooke there. Uh, if anybody knows, please tell me because it, it's it's really it's going to keep me up at night. The big question, of course, is how the hell is Jonas a ghost? And does that mean there are other ghosts? And is he a ghost or is he like a reflection? Uh, constantly, I don't know. Is 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 the ground of uh, Camp Redwood haunted, or is is there a curse or something? I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to it. I didn't expect to to have this much intrigue. It's been a while since I've watched an American Horror Story uh, show or even any uh, dramatic, written, scripted weekly show like this. But it's fun. My next question is, uh, did Margaret Booth kill the cabin in 1970? I I feel like I already touched on that, so I can't wait to see if that question gets answered. Who killed the gay producer Blake? I realize that the ear got taken, but that bright blue eye has me uh, perplexed. Uh, and finally, why are we humanizing the Night Stalker? I sincerely hope that he, I real, I, I expected him to get killed like almost just as quickly, but I guess it makes sense to have the audience asking as many questions as possible, even if the questions are redundant, like, oh, who's killing the, the people? It doesn't matter. They're both horrible, evil people, but, but there's a, uh, something in the like uh, promo for next week's episode, the tag at the end of this one, that, God, makes me think that they're going to go down this hole that I really don't want them to go down of, of uh, it's, it's, a really, it's a really tough line, but of saying, oh, some people are made into uh, serial killing monsters, and some people are just born evil. Some people are just pure evil. And, and I, I don't know how, uh, I think, it, I don't know how they're going to wrap that up or how they're going to address that, but right now the way that they're talking about it has me feeling weird. I don't like to, I'm trying to figure out how where I fall on that spectrum of <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I feel do do are people born inherently evil like are certain people just born or 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 do, is every person worth a shot is is every person no matter how evil their past has been are they worth rehabilitating it's something batman wrestles with constantly and uh i don't know maybe it's not for us to decide maybe that's uh for for higher powers um 
But it seems like the doctor at least is going to show up again in flashback, if not, you know, more ghost form. But her uh, her, her little comment about that, about people being born evil, has me, it just rubs me the wrong way. But uh, that's that's the last question I had from Mystery LLC. Um, and that's about it. I've covered everything that I wanted to here. I got through all of my segments. That wasn't so bad. <laughs> next week, uh, I'll be will next week we'll only be having an episode of American Horror Story. It'll be season nine, episode three. Until then, uh, and then after that, we'll have uh, another episode. I believe we'll be doing a nice uh, another good horror movie from a more recent era, but. Otherwise, thanks for spending your time here on The Gory Days. If you want to tell me what you thought of last night's episode or give me some better names for these segments, um, you can uh, tweet or Instagram or basically reach out on all social media at The Gory Days, or you can check out thegorydays.com, or you can even send me an email at thegorydayspodcast at gmail.com. That's three plus ways to get in touch with me in the... Help me improve this thing that I've set out on. It's only going to be 10 episodes of this, so eight more to go after this. But I'm still happy to hear all your thoughts on uh, everything else that's coming out down the pike. Until then, stay scary out there. Have a gory day.